0: Gospels, Jesus asks His disciples an important question, Who do you say I am? Over 2,000 years later, this question continues to reverberate in the human heart. Some have only given this question a cursory thought. Others have spent years pondering the answer, searching the scriptures, and looking for evidence. This spring, Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry, team with researchers and experts who have studied the Shroud of Turin, to once again pose Christ's question to you. Who do you say I am?
1: Welcome to the Sewing Hope podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend, Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Sewing Hope. I am Bill Snyder, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining me here on today's episode, I want to remind you that you can always visit our website, patchworkheartradio.org to learn about our ministry and how we sow hope into broken hearts. Uh, That's what this show is all about. And right now uh, we are in the middle of a series on parenting. And so uh, my wonderful co-host, Anna Sanis, and I uh, are going to be breaking open those pre-confirmation years, uh, and confirmation years for some in this country. So, uh, Anne, welcome as always, and thank you so much for joining me on the sewing Hope podcast.
2: Yeah, it's great to be here with you again, Bill, for this series. This is a great one. And, you know, I think these series are something that not just right now, that will be a good resource for families and for parents, but something in the future too. So I think that, uh, I just invite everyone to stay tuned. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes, we're in the middle of it right now. I think we're actually on episode five, I believe. Yeah. And we're right in the middle. So stay tuned, but make sure that you go back and and listen to the other ones too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You definitely want to go back and tune in and um, hear all of them because they kind of build. I mean, In some weird way, they build on each other, um, but they can be standalone episodes as well, too.
2: Mm -hmm. uh, That's right.
1: But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is exciting. And, you know, uh, we kind of talk about these uh, ages 9 to 12 um, and what that's like for, um, you know, people across uh, the country um, raising children of that age group, right?
2: Yeah, raising children of that age group, because really, this is a time, a very special time for young Catholic children who have received their. The the Holy Eucharist, because usually by the age of nine, uh, most dioceses and archdioceses have already done the, the first communions, I believe by about third or maybe fourth grade at the latest, but I believe it's somewhere between second and fourth grade. And so they're receiving the Eucharist, and now it's time to prepare for confirmation, which is that seal, right? The seal of the Holy Spirit, because you receive the Holy Spirit in baptism. And then now this is a confirming of it. So for families, you know, there's a lot of preparation, whether your kids are in Catholic school or or if they're in public school and doing the either CCD prep, whatever your diocese or archdiocese calls it, or homeschooling. There's a lot of things that you can do as parents to prepare your children to really be able to understand that this isn't just a formality, right, Bill? It's not just a formality. This is re- literally receiving the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking at the catechism of the Catholic Church. If you go to the second, uh, excuse me, part two, the celebration of the Christian mysteries, uh, section two, it says that the sacrament of confirmation, baptism, the Eucharist, and the sacrament of confirmation together constitute the sacraments of Christian initiation, whose unity must be safeguarded. It must be explained to the faithful that the reception of the sacrament of confirmation is necessary for the completion of baptismal grace. I'll just stop there, but it is necessary for that Catholic um, initiation, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. The you know when we talk about the completion of baptism, many times for us, many times for us, and not in all cases, but most cases here, at least in our country, is that we deal with infant baptism, right? Um, And we we spent a whole episode on that, so make sure you go back and listen to uh, infant baptism, or the very first I think it was the first or second episode that we uh, did in this series. Um, so make sure you go back and listen to that but um, the reality is is that because you're an infant somebody else has made that choice for you right somebody else has said you're going to be a christian well part of this is the fact that you need to own your own faith right you need to own your own faith and 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 so therefore at at this particular moment in time Owning your own faith means confirmation, right? I confirm that my parents and loved ones chose for me to become a Christian. I confirm that. And I speak that out. And we do that in a few different ways. Number one is renewing the baptismal promises at the liturgy, right? And speaking those out really loudly, proudly, clearly that we believe these things. And then secondly, it is the name, right? Because I know in my diocese, and now they confirm a little bit older, and we can talk about that as well, but our bishop requires that every student pick a saint name, right? So this saint name, and do the research and understand why you're picking the saint that you're picking, because this is giving you a strengthening, and also a role model to follow in your life, right? We talk about the sponsor. Of course, the sponsor is an important role, just like godparents parents are important. But the strengthening is coming from, okay, I am going to choose my own sponsor, this earthly person that's going to be walking with me. And then I'm also going to be choosing a saintly person who I will take on as that, that name, adding that name to my list of names that I then will rely on for their intercession, for their power um, from heaven, right, that they have by speaking on our behalf right to the throne of, of Jesus, right? Like that's the reason why we choose these saints right? as part of our confirmation, because we say, I want you to represent me in heaven and chirp in Jesus's ear <laughs> for the needs that I have, Right. Uh, you know now that is their intercessory power or privilege that they have. That if we take that on, if we you know can can live in their footsteps in that certain sense. So that is the confirming. That's the confirmation with strengthening. That's what that means, right? Confirmation with the strength, right? Firm confirmation. Um, that's what that means. So it's really really important that we get confirmed now there are cases and you know we don't really have to go into it but many different cultures confirm baptize and confirm in the same foul swoop (laughs) uh when they're infants like in, in uh it's it's a big tradition in mexico um that babies would be uh baptized and confirmed all in the same liturgy and it'd be done um here but but again um there, there will come a moment when you have to accept that in your, in your life. So I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, I think the, the age in Philadelphia uh, that, that is what still sixth grade, is it still sixth grade and that the that, uh, children get confirmed in? That?
2: Yes, I believe it's, it's um, it actually might be slightly older now. Okay. Um, because of course my children are older They're now okay. in their, their mid twenties but I know when they got confirmed, it was in sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought that maybe I heard from a relative that they switched it to closer to seventh or eighth, but sure. let's not confirm on that. Right. right, um, right. The, the exact, but it is a little bit younger, right. It is a little bit younger than some of the other archdiocese and diocese.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, again, it's not about necessarily about the age as it is, about we're going to talk about the the prep right like preparing your children to receive this Um, you know and 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 each um, age group has a different maturity level like I've done a lot of confirmation prep as a youth minister Uh, uh, in fact I'm actually doing confirmation prep at my parish this year Um, and I'm able to talk with 16 year olds in a different way than I'm able to talk with 11 year olds you know like i mean that's that's um, <laughs> you know you know vastly different i mean 5 or 6 years difference in talking to them um you know really really helps but yeah i just think um that that preparing well and helping them choose saint names helping them realize that this is their decision you know this is your decision to make it's not mom and dad's. And uh, I think that's really important too.
2: Yeah. You have to own it. Right. And I remember listening to Deacon Harold Burke Sivers was uh, at a conference recently in the Philadelphia area. And one of the things that he said that stuck inside my mind was that the average age that a child decides to leave the Catholic church and not to practice, what is that age? Is it 18, 21? What is it? And it was 13 is what he said. And so if you think about that, this is the age of confirmation, isn't it? It's right around that age. And I think when young people are given a reason and a practical um, understanding of why we believe all that we believe, and they see it in action too, so that faith isn't just a mechanical thing that you go through these sacraments, but then you do nothing with your Catholic faith after confirmation is over. Yeah. As Catholics, we're meant to keep growing. There's so many people, I think I've heard Catholic evangelists talk sometimes about this whole idea of how many Catholics believe that after they're confirmed that they don't need to learn any more about their faith. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, Bill. Oh, but,
1: I hear it all the time.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that after Right, right, that at confirmation they're done and it nothing could be further from the truth. So I think one of the things to teach your child uh, is, you know, first we have to model it as parents, don't we? If we're not modeling that, that we love our faith, that we go to mass every Sunday, that we go to confession, you know, as often as we can, that we do works of charity in our church and in our community, that we act like we're living the faith, right? That we don't walk out of mass and then, you know, start cursing out the person in the parking lot or whatever, you know, you hear that too, that we're, what we're doing is we're living, they look at us and they say, now that's a Catholic. And I don't mean in the sense of all of the externals. I mean, somebody who really loves God and loves Jesus and believes in the Catholic church, right? If the kids don't see that, they don't have any reason to do it, right? If they look at if they see in their parents that that going to mass every Sunday is a hassle that they never pray as a family, that they never do anything together to make this world a better place in terms of serving the needs of our brothers and sisters, then there's no real reason to want to be Catholic and then the Eucharist right that's a big part that's the part that we say teaching your kids that. This isn't just a symbol. This is the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I think if they really understand that, then they're going to want to live out the faith as Catholics with getting confirmed and really living it out day to day. Wouldn't you say, Bill?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, building up the desire, that's really what you're talking about is the desire. Yes. To, to live a life of faith. And again, parents modeling, uh, the desire to have god in their life like that is a really important thing and so therefore if you as a parent haven't been doing extra for your faith then you're not going to be able to expect your kids to do extra for for their faith right um you know again ann and i aren't talking about you know going to some monastery for months on end you know like that is not what we're we're calling the modern parent to do i i know i'm not called to that uh but but we are talking about integrating the faith into your daily life so if that means that you are um sending your children to catholic schools that uh maybe you show up for the school mass right like my my mom and dad uh mainly my mom because she would be working less than my dad would show up at the school masses. She would go once a week to the same masses that I was at, you know, uh with my classmates. And she'd sit in the back and she'd pray and go to mass. And it was just the presence of my mom being there, you know, to say, hey, you know what? Mass is important. And, and it's important even when it's not on a weekday. Now, did she go to every single mass? Was she able to make everyone know? But I knew that, hey, if my mom decides to show up you know, on a, on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning or whatever day the school mass was like, it was important to her. And it was important to me because therefore, you know, I was going to this mess. It just wasn't some classroom ritual, you know? Um, And she didn't have to say anything. I mean, she would say hi or give me, you know, a little extra bag for lunch or something on the way out, you know, a little extra snack or something on the way out sometimes, but but, but it wasn't like this long conversation about how old oh, mass is so important. You have to go blah, 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 blah. There was none of that. It was just the example. Okay. Just sit in the back of church while all the school kids were at mass. And so I think, you know, and look as a youth minister, I saw that plenty at, at our parish, there were parents that would come to the mass and, you know, they would encourage our kids to get involved in the choir, in the lecturing, in the serving, like all of that is so very important. And again, it's your example, you know, um, if, if you aren't serving the liturgy in some special way, like if you're not lecturing or if you're not um, doing something extra for the liturgy, then why would your kids stand up there and do it? Is it going to be a show for them? Like, is it just a show? Like, Oh, there look at that. You know, here's another school play or something, you know, congratulations. You did a great job lecturing. No, that's not the, that's not the example. It's the example is, Hey, this is important. And I do this because I believe it is, it is, important. So again, mirroring this, doing this um, are all the little things that are going to prepare them for confirmation. Like, you know, the, you know, the formal education that they're going to get in their uh, classrooms at religious education or their Catholic school are wonderful, right? They're going to learn about the Holy spirit. They're going to learn about uh, what confirmation is and that the Holy spirit is going to seal the seven gifts of the Holy spirit on their soul so that they're available to them at any time, anywhere, any place and give them the tools to fight against evil in the world like you're going to hear all you're they're going to hear all of that but what they need is they need you as a parent to, to show it to them to show it to them that you need it too <laughs> you need the holy spirit just as much as your kids do you know um and and making that uh, making them realize that uh, and see that will make all the difference in their prep
2: I love how you express that, Bill, and especially what you said about this is not like some kind of a theatrical performance that the parents are going to see, that the grandparents, yes, they're excited and you get the pictures and you go out to dinner afterwards or whatever you do, but it's not like this, uh, you know, we're, not, we're lifting up our kids because they are confirming them, their hearts to Jesus Christ, okay? It's not like an award that they're receiving that you take the picture for Facebook and you know all of the congratulations. And it's beautiful to do that, right? I love when I see the pictures on social media of the confirmations, but what it comes down to is it's not this thing to, uh, to get all the applause for, right, Bill? I mean, it's, what it is is it's something that is the, the deepest part of who you are as a human when you are confirming your, your spirit, and you are living Christ's mission and the gospel, right? So it's not this matter of uh, a theatrical performance or play that you're going to see when you go to the confirmation, right? It's something very beautiful and something very deep that for the rest of their lives should be treasured. Yeah. Um, I thought, Bill, I saw this article about how to keep young Catholics uh, in in the faith a- after it after confirmation, it's called How to Keep Young Catholics Involved After Confirmation from Ascension Presents. And it lists some things. And you said one of them, and that's altar serving and lecturing. Another one is volunteering at Sunday school or catechesis, you know, for catechesis, young group participation, seeking and growing healthy friendships. I mean, these are just some. I know that at my church, what they have is a youth group, Bill. And I know that we're going to talk a lot about that when we do the one for teenagers, but they sometimes they have groups that are geared for the preteens. Right. And maybe you can speak a little bit about that too, because many times when kids get involved in those youth groups, I do think it's a great thing to keep the spirit alive and to keep their faith active.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, being a youth minister and understanding that, you know, uh, the, the middle school program that um, I'm most familiar with is called edge uh, and it's run through life team. So like you have life team who's a little bit older in your high school groups, but then there's edge life team. And it's based on kind of the same things and being able to go to a place and have a place, you know, that is, that is kind of um, a spot where you can listen, where you can have some fun, where you can be challenged. Like all of that is important. It's all part of life. And so I think the earlier that you engage the, um, Christians, young Christians in that process, the better off you are like engaging young people, engaging young people with music, with, with worship and with testimony is really important. Like, you know, we, we worship God. We give them adoration and, and the testimony is also so important. And that's often what happens at these events. Like, you know, there's small groups and workshops and games and fun stuff, but having the ability to actually work, you know, worship and listen to the testimony with your peers, with a group of peers is so powerful. And so um yeah while there may not be a lot of opportunities for mission trips and all these things that we talk about with high schoolers like honestly we talk a lot about that with high schoolers um but
2: when we um I don't want to say it
1: when when we just come together and bring young people together i remember at my school they would have socials we would have six fifth fourth fifth sixth seventh grade that um we would have socials and eighth grade was more of like you know the dinner dance stuff but we would come together and we'd hang out and we did it in a faith-based setting they would have music they'd have games they'd have fun stuff for us to do through our school but but there are some really awesome memories there. Right. Um, And putting your kids in a healthy environment, there are plenty. Look, uh, one of the biggest issues plaguing our society here in Milwaukee is underage driving. Okay. There are 13 year olds getting behind the wheel of cars, 12 year olds getting behind the wheels of cars and going, just driving them up on ramps here. Like I would much rather have my kid, (laughs) be participating in a faith-based group and driving then stealing cars and driving them without even knowing how to drive them. Right. So, you know, it is so important to get your children into good faith-based environments very, very quickly, you know, and you pointed it out, you know, uh, Deacon Harold talking about how, uh, 13 year olds is kind of that age where you're going to say if I'm going to leave the church forever. Are you kidding me? Well, that means that we've got to focus our energy really strongly on those 10, 11 and 12 year olds. Right. That's where we got to focus our energy. And that's what we're talking about today.
2: Yeah, Bill, thank you for all of that. And, and I'm very sad to hear. I have to say about what you just shared about what, what's happening in your community, because if it's happening there, obviously it's happening in other places too, right? Young children at the age of 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 driving cars when they're not prepared. So we, we offer our prayers for them. Thank you for sharing that. And the, what you said also about um, just echoing what I said about the age of 13 and how we need to prepare young kids to love God, right? I think it begins there, recognizing Jesus Christ as a a real part, a real, a real person that's with you every single day of your life. And that I said this on one of our episodes on the the one that we talked about the sacrament of reconciliation. And I guess it was years ago, one of my relatives challenged me about sin and about that, that kids don't sin, right? That they, you know, how do kids sin? What do they do wrong? And, and you just gave an example, right? I mean, how kids can disobey and do different yeah. things that tear them away from their faith and tear them away from their families. So they certainly can sin and they do sin. And I think that what families need to do obviously is not just the sacrament of reconciliation, but look at all of those sacraments, look at, mm. look at penance, look at, uh, you know, recon- the sacrament of reconciliation, look at going to mass every single Sunday. I know my pastor talks a lot about that, some of the kids in Catholic schools don't always, those families don't always, uh, are, are getting to Mass. Of course, some of the families aren't Catholic either. There are non Catholic, non Catholic kids and families who go to Catholic schools, right? Sure. So, but for those Catholic families that are not, um, not getting to Sunday Mass, so do those elementary things of our faith, right? Teach your kids about the basics so that when they get to confirmation, they don't just say, Hey, heck with this. Why should I do something I don't really believe in? You give them a reason to believe. And uh, I know for that in my family with my two daughters, it has to start really early, everybody. (laughs) You know, I mean, this stuff has to start as young as Bill's son, Elvin, who's only 11 months old, is that you teach them about God. You teach them about the presence of God. You teach them about Jesus so that by the time they're three or four, it's not a foreign thing. You don't need to start from scratch when they're five years old. They already know that God exists. They already know, and they see it in your life. So I think it has to start real, real early in, tar- in terms of the catechesis and teaching them about Christ and about the Catholic church.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. And, and and again, you know, don't, don't make it a foreign thing and don't make it an extra thing. You know, um, I, I have. I, I don't have to go into the horror stories of being a youth minister and understanding um, how, how parents utilize and manipulate youth ministers and, and parishes and programs to best serve their own needs. Um, but it does happen, folks. Um, everything from figuring out how to get more child support for your divorce to uh, figuring out, um, you know, how best to, you know, make sure that your kid um, has more service hours than the other ones so that they can have it better on their uh, college application. Like that's manipulating the faith for, um, you know, all of the wrong reasons. So don't make it an extra thing. Don't make it something that you're doing um, because it's going to serve you. Uh, this is about serving God and it's about raising your uh, teens um, to, to, sh- to, uh, and, and, and these preteens to, to respect and love God and want to serve God the remainder of their lives and be confirmed. Um, that's, that's what this is about. Um, you know, and the other thing is your responsibility, like, you know, your responsibility to raise your child in the faith, which is something that, you know, you promised at baptism, right. Does not end with confirmation. I want to be really clear about that too. Like, like, you know, there there are so many parents that would come into these programs that would say. I'm doing this because I made a promise to you at your baptism. Well, what happens after baptism? I mean, after confirmation. Are you are you off the clock? Like, are you finished raising your children in the faith just because you've like, I'm sorry. I got a big problem with that. Like, you are not done just because you got this oil on your kid's forehead and you know congratulations that you that that you made that effort but if that's the only thing you know i would much rather my kid choose for himself to be confirmed and i I will i will make that very very uh clear to him that he can choose his own faith and if he says dad, I'm not ready to be confirmed yet when he's 16 years old in our diocese is the earliest you can be confirmed. If he says, I'm not ready yet, I want another year. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to fight him on that. And if he comes back at 35 and says, I'm ready to be confirmed, then he's ready. Like, you know, that's the other thing We, we have to stop just pushing it because other people are pushing it this is about their heart and if they're not ready if their heart isn't ready for it why are you shoving them into something that that they don't fully understand and get yet you know i've had kids do that wait two or 3 years one of the kids in my confirmation program he's not even a kid he's 19 he's graduated high school and he's helping serve as a leader But he's also being confirmed because he's made the decision now that he's ready. So there's no shame in saying, oh, my kid's going to wait next year. I'm I'm not saying don't send them to the prep, send them to the prep. But if they're not ready to receive the sacrament in their heart, don't force it down their throat.
2: Yeah, real good points, Bill. Thank you. And and I think it goes back to the whole mechanical thing, doesn't it? I mean, it, it can't be mechanical. This has to be. Yeah. a real disinformed decision, based on not only your, you know, receiving the sacraments in a state of grace, and that realizing that this is a real life commitment to God, and not to turn away. Uh, so I just want to mention just a few more things from that article that I told you all about uh, from Ascension Presents. It's called "How to Keep Young Catholics Involved After Confirmation." Um, And the rest of them are organized faith activities. These are ways to keep them active, leading local programming, practice and pray. And so they're they're the ones that are listed in this article. So just check it out at media.ascensionpress.com. And that will give you some ways to keep your kids active after confirmation. It's just so important because you know what? I've heard this before. There's no other time in our lives for most of us That we are tempted to sin then between the ages of, I'm going to say even before 13, right? Sometimes it's even as early as 11 or 10, but mostly it's going to be that 13 to 18 bracket, which we're going to talk about for our next podcast. So make sure that you listen to that one too. And a lot of the reasons why kids decide that they don't care about their faith, uh, sometimes is because they're torn between the world and the heavenly world, right? And what God wants them to do. They're torn between what their friends are asking them to do and what they learn from their friends. And even sometimes at school, when they're at school, not saying what they're learning in school, but what they learn when they're at school, um, and what, what they're learning when they go to something like confirmation prep or what they learn from their families. So let's pray for our kids, right? It's so important to pray for them. And I think the best advice that I can give as a parent, because people ask me all the time. Now I have two daughters. Um, they're as I said, they're in their 20s, their ages 25 and 23. And I have to say, both of them were pretty committed and they are very committed to their faith. And people say to me, well, how'd you do that? You know, it wasn't really about what I did, right? <laughs> or what Angelo did, my husband. It was the fact that we lived our faith and they modeled it. So I guess if you could say, what did we do is that we lived our own faith and we practiced it and we modeled it. So it was no forcing, there was no forcing there. They saw that it, this was something valuable right? And when the kids see that it's valuable to you, then they want to do that because they see that it's valuable. So I would just say the best advice I can give as a parent is to you, parents, love and live your faith.
1: Amen. And it's great. I, I appreciate all the wisdom and insights um, from you. It's, it's just great. I mean, you've got, so, you got such great uh, perspective. Uh, thank you. So thank you.
2: Yeah, this has been great, Bill. Thank you so much for this time and all of your insights, too, which were awesome. Everybody, please join us for that next one. As I said, ages 13 to 18.
1: Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, we thank you for tuning in um, and listening to the Sewing Hope podcast tonight. And uh, until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, may God bless you and keep beating to your Catholic heart. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andysantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at Ministry or andysantis2.
0: In the Gospels, Jesus asks his disciples an important question, Who do you say I am? Over 2,000 years later, this question continues to reverberate in the human heart. Some have only given this question a cursory thought. Others have spent years pondering the answer, searching the scriptures and looking for evidence. This spring, Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry, team with researchers and experts who have studied the Shroud of Turin to once again pose Christ's question to you. Who do you say I am?